0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Play Sheet podcast. My name is Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Joe. Good evening, Charles. Joe, let's get straight into it, because there's a few different bits that we want to talk about. And first up, I mean, you'll be delighted to hear. I want to talk about the Jets. We spoke last week about Zach Wilson and the benching and whether it was all just bluster from the coach. And sure enough, he was relegated to the sideline for me, quite a surprising move, but. I think one of the kind of most telling aspects of this news was, I don't know if you saw the Jets players coming off the coach ahead of the game, but they were all wearing t-shirts that said Mike Effin White. So like, what does that say to you? Was the decision in benching Zach Wilson and bringing Mike White in more than just a football move in terms of pure skill?
1: Tough one, really, because... If it was down to pure skill, then Mike White would have been starting from the start of the year, really. If he was that good, if he was genuinely the best quarterback there, well then better played him. He's not. He's had a run as well. It's not like he's an unknown quantity and no one knows him who Mike White is. He played several games last season when uh, Wilson was injured. So this was to make a point towards Zach Wilson. It was to send him a message. It would be interesting to see though how long this message has been sent or if Zach Wilson is seriously in danger of threatening his career already. But I don't think it was made purely on football reasons because, well, just look at what happened out on the field. Uh, Mike White wasn't particularly good. He may have thrown for 369 yards or whatever he threw for, but zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and at the end of the day, a loss.
0: But do you think there's potentially a chemistry issue there with the rest of the team? Because that, to me, seems like a really odd move. If your quarterback gets benched to suddenly start wearing T-shirts going, you know, go the replacement. That is really bold the very next game that that happens. It feels like a real statement from the players. Well, I
1: think it's no secret that Zach Wilson isn't exactly the most popular person in the Jets locker room. I think a lot of the team were annoyed that he wasn't taking responsibility for previous losses and was pushing the blame to other players. But there's no secret about that. And I think that perhaps just wasn't clear was how deep this problem is and how much of a problem it is for that locker room. It's quite hard to come back from something like this. Because you're right, it was a statement by the Jets team and... It's almost not really a statement in support of Mike White, because those players, do they really care about Mike White that much? Do they really? Is he that popular? I'm not really sure. I think that's more of an fu to Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah. So, Vikings, they steamroll on once again. What did you make of the game, Joe?
1: <laughs> ah,
0: it was kind of a typical
1: Vikings performance of the season, where they should have put the Jets away, had them away, and then made it a stress-free afternoon, but they allowed them to come back into the game and game which the vikings were 26 up at half time, they ended up clawing onto towards the end which you know they shouldn't be doing but ultimately they come away with a w they're 10-2 now they get the chance to win the division against detroit next week which they should do so yeah so look you can't moan too much when your team's 10-2 but it would just be nice to have a few more stress-free Sundays
0: yeah absolutely it certainly makes things a lot more interesting in the Jets division now that things are really kind of tightening up in that area well talking of tightening up Mattison hit us with a celebration when I was watching it live I thought he'd gone down with something quite severe and then he turned it into quite a serious burn as celebrations go yeah like people are making a lot of
1: a lot of noise about this and some people are calling it a massively disrespectful celebration and that kind of thing i think a bit of a different view towards jazz i just didn't really find it that funny at all I, like i was kind of non-plussed by it like i didn't really think it was as good as some of the celebrations the vikings have done over the past couple of seasons i'm talking about like the bowling ball one and the duck duck goose one and all of those kind of things oh this one was a bit like meh so there's
0: a lot of people talking about it but i'm i'm rather nonplussed. I genuinely thought he'd done something like a hammy, and I was like, "Oh no, this is this is not ideal." Not that he's, you know, the lead back for the Vikings, but he's he's certainly an important piece. And uh, and when that happened, I thought, "Oh, is this going is this going to have complications moving forward?" And then he turned it into a bit of a thrust on the floor, and I just thought, "Oh, <laughs> okay, that was a little bit spicy." But. Not as spicy, Joe, as it happens, as uh, what the Cowboys did in terms of celebrations, which really riled up. Well, the NFL in general, it's the first fine that they've handed out for celebrations this season. And they hit four Cowboys with it for a Salvation Army bucket dunk, I suppose. Oh, what, from last week? They fined them for getting in the bucket? Oh, yeah. Four of the Cowboys got fined for that. And not... Inconsequential finds either. It's weird, right? Because we've seen Wait, this is this is for the whack-a-mole thing that the tight ends yeah. did in the bucket. That's exactly it. For the whack-a-mole in the bucket, they find them, which is really, I would say, surprising. Because we've seen we've seen celebrations this season, and some are more elaborate than others. I didn't feel that that was elaborate to the point where it was ridiculous or finable. And my only thought is: is it a Religious thing. It was a Salvation Army bucket, and do they see that as a as a disrespect? No, I,
1: th- I think you're not allowed to use props in celebrations, are you? I think I think that's probably why
0: the bucket was the prop.
1: Yeah. So so short's got fined thirteen thousand two hundred. Jake Ferguson, basically four thousand nine hundred. Peyton Hendershot, three thousand nine hundred. Sean McKeon, basically five thousand. But Dak Prescott has said he would cover all of the fines. I think that. I think that this is a bit of a heavy-handed fine
0: it felt it yeah
1: when you look at what the league has allowed almost scot-free over the past few weeks past few seasons i'm talking about i'm talking about players jumping on the field when they were on the sidelines you know what got me angry last week It's all of these things this was in the spirit of a thanksgiving game it, it was fun it wasn't disrespectful to anyone the salvation army were there they are Big charity for Jerry Jones. He's a big supporter of them. They probably raised a hell of a lot of money out of it. They had a good day. I don't think anyone really had a problem with that celebration. It just feels dumb. Why pick on that?
0: And and that's exactly it. And I think... (sighs) I know that there was there was certainly a point in NFL's history where the celebrations were coming so elaborate. They were overshadowing so some of the games. I don't think I've seen that this season. You know, we talked about Madison. Now we're talking about the Cowboys. They're, like you said, I felt like they were all in good spirit. They were all part of the moment. And they were not so long-lived that they caused massive disruption to the flow of the game. So... It it felt like an odd one, but if they're going by the law and they're saying, look, the bucket was a prop and you shouldn't be doing that, then I guess that's that's what they stand by. But I think a lot of people felt that it was a touch heavy-handed.
1: It's just stupid, isn't it? And meanwhile, there's a sexual abuser starting for the Cleveland Browns this week.
0: Yeah, well, very briefly touching on that game because I don't think it's really a game that warrants a, a major conversation. We saw the return of Watson he didn't look great against a Houston team that have struggled all season but then we typically see that from quarterbacks that have been out for a long period of time I know that you and I were rooting for a a very unlikely Houston win but um, it was a largely uneventful game really most of the points were scored from punt returns and defensive plays yeah he's been out for a long time so as much as we probably don't want him to do well
1: you can't just assume he's not going to play well because he was bad in his first game back but yeah like I say it, it, it wasn't a particularly exciting game we didn't see some great offense from either team Houston have a lot of work to do still they've been bad for a few seasons now they're still bad and there's nothing that fills me with hope in the performance that we have seen they ended up benching Mills earlier this season they don't really seem to have any plan at all they're gonna to have to build and build very well from a draft to be anywhere near competitive next season. Uh the Browns, I feel that the Browns are just they've just slid into irrelevance this year. Do they do they creep into playoffs? Do they creep in by the skin of their teeth? Probably not. I think their record now is five and seven. So they're, you know, hanging on the edges, but they're in the same, you know, bucket as the Steelers and the Raiders, basically. So Two irrelevant teams, and they should have an irrelevant callback in prison somewhere, but they don't. So that's all I really have to say about the Browns.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they started off the season okay, but they've, they really fell off the pace quite quickly.
1: Like There's no identity to the Browns. Do you look at that Browns team and think, this is how they play football? This is what you know about this team. You look at a team like San Fran, and you can say, hey, that's a team that plays quality defense, they try to push a strong run game, although admittedly it's not been the best over the last few weeks. And kind of play quarterback, no frills, just manage the game. That's their style. You look at a team like the Cowboys. And you look at that high octane offense when they turn it on. That hard defense that they play. These teams have got character. They've got they've got a style of play. Browns don't have any of that. I couldn't really tell you what I feel is a Browns strength or what I really feel is, is anything special about a Browns. They've really gone backwards, I feel over the last couple of seasons,
0: yeah, and that that is really strange, you know, because I felt like a season or two ago they did have a bit of an identity. they were a team that ran the ball exceptionally well, they were a team yep. that that used their tight ends um to great effect in the blocking game and and it felt like that established a lot of what they did uh, and how they attacked other teams. But they've they've still got Chubb and Hunt, which are a phenomenal running back pair, but they just look completely lackluster this season. And which isn't to say that they're the problem feels like, as you say, they've kind of lost the focus of that. And they've it almost feels as if they've tried to diversify away from that, but at the risk of achieving nothing, they now stand for nothing.
1: It kind of feels like the Stefanski game plan doesn't really have much else to it beyond the hard running game and the two free tight end formations. That's just been his calling card, but it's become a bit obvious now. And teams kind of know how to play against the Browns. Okay, they might they may have been kind of stimulated a little bit by the fact that they haven't had who would be their first choice quarterback. So. That perhaps has made their game even more limited. But I, I, they they just f- seem to feel a very limited team. A team that's basically playing football like they're in the 70s. And teams these days can just defend
0: against that. Yeah. Well, look, you, you mentioned Jimmy G, Joe. So let's talk about that for a bit because that is quite a big bit of news. He is now out for, well, for the rest of the season. He's gone now. This was a very important year for him because he was looking to presumably cash in on quite a big deal he's become the second string quarterback of the 49ers well he certainly was at the beginning of the season until Lance went out so he was you would think probably looking to shine given this opportunity and impress a few teams and maybe jump ship and go lead somewhere else that may be very difficult for him now with this injury and I suppose the question that I wanted to ask was you know we've talked about Quarterbacks that have received quite bad injuries in the past. We talked about Burrow and the O-line letting him down and him getting smacked and walloped and things like that. To me, that doesn't feel like that's what the issue is here with the 49ers. They've got a, a solid O-line. They they run a decent run game. Um, is it just terrible luck?
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is, Charles. And I've been thinking about the Jimmy G uh, injury because everyone who i spoke to about it, all the news you see about it, any conversation you have, like, people just feel generally bad for Jimmy G. And I, I've been thinking why. I, th- I think that the reason is because Jimmy G is someone who, if you look objectively about how he's been treated over the last, say, two, three years, I think most people would agree that he probably hasn't been treated fair. He hasn't really played badly for the 49ers at any one time, but he was basically shoehorned out of a team that had nearly gone all the way because they felt that a rookie would be better. And then he was kept on, he'd been kind of banded like back and forth, but he's never really moaned about it, he's not been one of those players, he's gone to the media and been a diva, he knows he's getting paid a lot, he knows he's a handsome guy, he knows his life is good, and he generally just smiles through it. So when things are going well for him, to see it kind of just taken away so quickly and just so unfortunately, it's just one of those things that's just the not very nice side of football. It is what it is, though. It happens. Like you say, I think it's just terrible bad luck. It's not like they don't protect him. It's not like they don't have a game plan that makes him exposed or anything like that. It's just one of those things that have happened. I think it's a big shame for the San Francisco 49ers. Despite losing him this week, they still beat the Dolphins. They're 8-4 now. They're steadily, steadily climbing up the NFC ratings. But they're really going to struggle without Jimmy G. Uh, I don't really know much about Brock Purdy. The main thing I know about him is that he was Mr. Irrelevant in uh, this year's draft. Uh, For those of you listening at home who don't know who Mr. Irrelevant is, Mr. Irrelevant is the last person picked in the draft. So he's the final pick of a seventh round. And this is often like a ceremony for Mr. Irrelevant. There's not many Mr. Irrelevants who've done much in the league, but he's a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers now. Interesting to see what happens. But I'm not sure if you've seen the news this afternoon, Charles. It's likely that there's a NFL quarterback who was a starter for a couple of seasons until very recently going on the market very soon.
0: Tell us more. Mayfield is getting cut from the Panthers I mean that is quite a statement as well don't you think because they made a move for him they were ambitious with him this offseason and season's not even come to an end and they're already washing their hands with him Browns were ready to wash their hands of him just to get a you know an accused sex offender what's the stink surrounding Mayfield do you think
1: and that's just it right there's got to be a stink here really because for them to cut him mid-season when they're when they're not even really playing for anything, they're third in the NFC South. It's not like they're trying to free up cap space to sign a player to get them over the edge or anything like that. They just basically want rid of Baker Mayfield. So they're preferring Sam Darnold. They're preferring PJ Walker, who's currently injured. They're preferring Matt Coral, who's previously injured. They were carrying four quarterbacks, admittedly, so they probably did have one too many. But yeah, it's a big move, and it's going to be very hard to come back from something like this, he, he, he would have to get a massive bit of luck, like perhaps what could happen at the 49ers right now, and really execute. But there's only so many chances you
0: get. Are the 49ers in a position to make a move for him should they choose to? Do they have that wiggle room? Too slow. Baker Mayfield has, in fact, been snapped up by the LA Rams. We'll dive into this in a little bit more detail next week. But why don't you listen on and find out if you think the 49ers have missed out on a trick here? He's
1: on waivers. Uh, I'm just trying to think of what Mayfield's contract would be. The 49ers have about $6 of a cap space. Mayfield was carrying a base salary of about $5 million. And even still, they've got ways of jiggering around contracts here and there to make capacity should they need it. I think really that the forty nines have got to pick up a quarterback. I mean, they are serious contenders of the shit, or they were serious contenders with Jimmy G in the team. If they can get someone who's near to his level of talent, someone who's an experienced starter, someone who can, who can probably take over that general world, not be asked to do too much, just not be asked to do anything stupid, which from what I've seen, I think Mayfield can do that. I think you've got to go for it. I think you've got to take that risk because what else do you do? Just let a... Seventh round, late pick quarterback, just take the chains. I know that worked once for a guy in Boston, but doesn't mean it's going to work again.
0: I mean, the 49ers are ahead of the NFC West by a single game, really. So it's vital that they stay ahead. I mean, sure, they could sneak in at a wild card spot, but that's not what they're looking for here. They're They're doing well at the moment. And it's really only the Seahawks that they have to contend to in that division because cardinals and rams aren't really competing so it it feels like this is almost a bit of a gift for them potentially because prior to mayfield being dropped they what are you looking around for you you've got to lean on that last pick so who knows let's um watch the space and uh, maybe mayfield finds himself playing for the 49ers sometime soon
1: unless they try to trade someone but don't forget the 49ers don't really have any notable trade assets because they traded so much away for Trey Lance who's been absolutely irrelevant this season so there comes a point where these things start to catch up with you
0: yeah now another team that I wanted to talk about Joe and we touch on them from time to time and they feel like they've had a very up and down season and we've spoken about uh, the fact that they're another team that unfortunately a bit like the 49ers find themselves injury plagued quite a bit but the Baltimore Ravens They've had a few blips this season. We've written them off as just that, just blips. They just snuck past Denver this week by a single point. They beat them 10-9. It was a very underwhelming game. You still high on them? You still think they'll go far come playoffs time?
1: Yeah, so don't get Charles. They did still win this weekend, right? They may have made hard work about it. It may have only been the Broncos, but they came away with a win. They're 8-4. and four. They're sitting... Atop the AFC North. Don't forget as well, in this game, they lost Lamar Jackson to injury early in the game. They were without their quarterback for most of the game. They're without Ronnie Stanley, their all pro left tackle. There's injuries that are affecting this team, but they're still finding a way to win. They're going to get players back from injury as we start to get towards the even sharper end of the season. I like this Ravens team. I think that on their day, they're capable of beating most, if not all, the teams in the AFC and I'm not saying they're going to go and win Super Bowl I'm not going to make a prediction like that I think that's far too aggressive but they would not surprise me if they were still playing in the middle of February
0: okay yeah I mean I it's the injuries that concern me I think because I agree I think a fully healthy Ravens team I'd be all behind and I think they'd stand a very solid chance of maybe going to the conference finals but I'm just worried that these injuries are really starting to rack up now and that's the only thing that's got me nervous for the Ravens, I think. And you're right, they got the win and we always say that's the most important thing. But you just need them to to make sure they don't take any more major losses because I think one more and they possibly topple over.
1: Look, as long as they're winning, they're winning. They've got a very experienced coach. Just see where they go with it. I'd say that, on the whole, they've got a relatively, relatively easy rest of the season. They get to play the Steelers twice. And, I mean, the Steelers just aren't the Steelers this year. They play the Browns, the Falcons, and the Bengals. Now, fine, the Bengals are a hard game. That's the last game of a regular season. But you'd expect them to win at, at least three of those games, probably four, because they probably should beat the Browns. So, let's say they finish 11-6, and 12-5. They go into playoffs, and they should get a decent season, So, yeah, as players come back, as players get healthy, I still think this Ravens team is going deep.
0: I mean, it could be that that Bengals game is absolutely vital because they're currently level in terms of the AFC North at the moment. So that head-to-head would be massive for them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Could be a huge one.
0: Right. And finally then, Joe, a team that, do you know what? I don't think we've spoken about them at all this season that I wanted to bring up is the Chargers. You know, Herbert burst onto the scene a couple of seasons ago. He looked great from the off, but the Chargers were let down time and time again, a lot of times uh, either defensively or from their special teams. They've sort of flown mostly under the radar this season, and that can happen when you're in a division with the Chiefs. But this loss against the Raiders this week, it, it just felt like the same old charges and each time i think they've identified the problem and they've taken actions to fix it they seem to be falling foul if not from the same old problems from something completely new what's going on with this charges team joe
1: well so similar to the ravens we are a team suffering with a lot of injuries now we don't like to use injuries as the excuse every team has injuries every team has that attrition rate But you go down the list of players who are hurt in the Chargers team, and the list is pretty long. I mean, you've got Corey Lindsley, first of all, probably the best center in the league. Did not practice. He was out with concussion. Mike Williams, probably 1B in terms of wide receiver, out. Nasir Adderley, starting safety, out. You had Derwin James, who was struggling with an injury this week. Khalil Mack was struggling with an injury. There's a lot of absolute key pieces here who are hurt. That's a factor. I'm going to say and a perhaps unpopular opinion here. It's an opinion because that's all you can really say about this. It's a subjective thing, but I don't think Justin Herbert is currently playing to the level of the hype that he gets. Justin Herbert, as you say, he burst onto the scene. he've had a, a good rookie year in what was quite a hyped rookie season in terms of Joe Burrow and all the hype that came with him and all the fanfare. Justin Herbert was the best rookie quarterback in the league that season. And I'm not sure really how much he's pushed on in the last couple of years. You listen to the commentators, you listen to someone like Chris Collingsworth, and you think that he's Tom Brady right now. He's not. He's not playing to that standard. He's not winning games. And to be at that kind of Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers level, you've got to be winning games and pushing your team over line. And he's not doing that right now.
0: So, yeah, I think there's probably too much hype there, Charles. Would you agree with that? <sighs> it's difficult because we've seen what he's capable of so you know that the talent is there but it's something that we've spoken about before and the the difference between the excellent players and the good players is consistency and I think that's what we're lacking from Herbert at the moment we know he's got it we know he can switch it on but he's just not switching it on often enough that's a part of it as you say the injuries play a part I still feel that the Chargers haven't fixed their issues in defense yet. They're a team that's that's kind of languishing in the middle at the moment, unfortunately. Playoff spot, Joe, as a wild card. Do you think they stand a chance? They currently sit at six and six. But you've got to bear in mind, they're in a conference here that... When you look at other second place teams in divisions, you've got the Dolphins on eight and four. You've got either the Bengals or Ravens on eight and four. You've got competition there. Do you think they can sneak in? They can sneak in,
1: but it's going to be hard. So bottom of wildcard wild card right now is Jets at 7-5. But after that, it's Dolphins at at eight and four, like you say. They've got a bad record in the AFC. They're going to have to probably win four of their next five games. I think that's what we need to do to get to playoffs. Not guaranteed at all. They're not going to win them if they keep playing like they're playing right now. I just want to just clarify my comments as well, but I'm not saying for one second that Herbert's a bad quarterback or even that he's not playing to a decent standard. It's just the level of hype that he gets. He's just not performing anywhere near that. And this team, when you look on paper about why this team looks good and why this team would go far, A lot of that is people perceiving Justin Herbert as an elite, call it a top six quarterback.
0: Yeah. So finally, Joe, before we finish for this week, uh, a slight look ahead to next week. I think for me, look, we've spoken about the Jets coming off their loss to the Vikings. The Dolphins suffered quite a bad loss this week. They're, They're two teams that are on a single loss win streak, tough losses this week, playing each other next week. Dolphins on 8-4, and four, Jets on 7-5. That's got to be my game of the week, I think.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be a barnstormer. And I think it's Dolphins, really. I really do. I, um, <laughs> I just feel that the, that the Jets have started to lose their bottle right now. They seem to have imploded from within a little bit. When you look where the Jets were, and, and don't get me wrong, they're still a team that's above 0. 0.500. They're still a team that's in the playoffs in Week 13, going into Week 14. You'd think that being here for the first time in several years for a long time i would want to try to stay here try to try to just keep their heads in the right place and they just haven't they haven't, there's clearly the bickering the infighting within this team and that by itself is enough to bring a team down but when they're changing their quarterbacks, switching players out like that. It's a recipe for disaster. I don't see the Jets winning this. I see the Jets actually having a very rough end to the season now. And
0: I think the Jets are going to fall out of play of contention. There you go. Heard it here first. Mike White, we see him starting a quarterback again.
1: It's harder to justify now. It's harder to to, to justify. But then then equally, as we touched on earlier, it's hard to bring Zach Wilson back now when all the players had those T-shirts on
0: and I think this is the issue they find themselves in a very sticky situation you fired a warning shot across the bow there you bring Zach Wilson back after one bad game oh does that weaken your position as a as a head coach as a team and then can you really afford to be playing white just to make a point they're in a very awkward situation I think for deciding who their quarterback is this week and I, for one, cannot wait. They've backed themselves into a Mike White corner. Well, Joe, I think on that bombshell, we need to end the podcast. But it's been great chatting football again this week. Enjoy the games. And we'll chat again next week.
1: Chat again next week. See you, Charles.